0: It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And here's someone I haven't spoken to for a long time to wrap up a week. His name is Arnu Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers in the Western Cape of the Republic of South Africa. And it's a, a sort of an inauspicious day that we resume our podcasting relationship. Uh, Arnu. I know you've been incredibly busy <laughs> traveling around the world. and This is a really, really extraordinary period of time that we've just endured. Three weeks to the day, in fact, that the Dow Jones first started mm. to show some cracks. Mm.
1: Yeah, look, I think one can always say you're you're living in history. I mean, every day is part of history, but this is extraordinary history we're seeing this week and and the the previous two weeks, if not longer, you know. And it's, I mean, we can start with, with just the amount of debt in the world, so government debt. We haven't seen anything like this. We have seen negative yields in the world, and I think that's a period in 1890 and 1930s during the Great Depression. Um, but but this type of of uh, the amount of government debt that's actually trading at negative yields, um, you know that amount, and you have to deflate it with inflation to be fair, which I haven't done. But we haven't seen that nominal amount. We've never seen anything like it, so we can start at that point. So that, that that's fairly unique. Then um, if we move into to uh, you know a trade war, which is not I suppose not unique, but we had that, and that's still ongoing to a certain point. And then you had coronavirus, which obviously caught everybody off guard. And it's now, it seems as though it's spreading quite rapidly across the globe. And then lastly, you had the oil debacle. I mean, the just chaos in the oil market. And it's just unbelievable what's happened to the oil price. You know, so, so there's quite a few factors playing out. And it's, 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 it is, I think for, for the guy on the street, well, I, I can, I, I can attest to that all my friends, the first thing they ask you is house markets, what's happening. Yes. Should I take money into money market. Um, is this virus going to kill all of us? What's going to happen? You know, to, to the point we we, we've got somebody who cleans the office and, and we had a discussion with her. And I mean, they, they even, and, and remember, this is now informal settlement in, in strand. So, um, and, and and they they not talking to Chinese people, and they also don't want to get in touch with people who work at the airport.
0: Yeah, so, that's, see, that's I suppose that's, in in a way not getting in touch with people is one thing. I mean the, the xenophobia mm, surrounding people of Asian origin mm, is a little mm, bit silly, but I mean it's, it's mm. all to do with with lack of education and rumours that are being exactly, spread. But what is exactly. your view on coronavirus? I've been speaking for three weeks daily to two or three different people, yeah. and we go into it in great detail. What I've always come across strongly as is Someone who believes that because I I watch a lot of television and because I read a lot, every single person is being affected by this, even if you're not directly involved in uh, being infected Mm. or whatever. And that when you multiply that by hundreds of millions of people then of course it's going to have an effect on the markets and people like mm. donald trump saying it's not a financial crisis very very naive and very very stupid because it uh, is a financial it is. crisis suddenly it
1: is, it is it's obviously you know and then i think um, you know initially the focus was on um mortality rates and, and you know fatality rates um and, and infection rates and so forth, and it still is to a certain point. If you speak to people in, in the street, that's what they're focused on. And if you look at Facebook or any of the social media,s most of the data that come through is focused on that. That is sub, That sort of changed over the last week. Of, uh, over last week, there's lots of stuff coming out in terms of the coverage of coronavirus versus um, other outbreaks in in history. So you know, at, at least people are on are, are, are trying to to look further back in history to try and see what happened and how could this play out? So at least people are trying to educate themselves. And But yeah, I mean, it it starts from the little guy who's got a, um, I shouldn't say little guy, it's not belittling, (laughs) a guy who's got a a small dentist practice in somewhere in in the rural area
0: um,
1: who's got a shortage of, of, of masks. Now, what does he do? He has to pay up for those masks and it makes his business more expensive or his input costs are just going through the roof. If he can get masks... And that's if he's not quarantined. Now, remember that guy, if, if we are quarantined at some stage or his little rural town is, is, is quarantined, um, then he doesn't have a business. So, you know, the, the effect is much bigger than, than I think we can we can sort of uh, realize or put together because it's so diverse and it's so different from person to person. Um, but, yeah, obviously it's something we've discussed at length in the office and I think everybody has, as coronavirus and the effects are off. You know, my, my point is just... I get that one should focus on the fatality rate. I mean, every deficit, one deficit, death, but too, too many. Um, but the the more important thing is, is the cost of this. And I don't think, you know, and then, then like you said, Trump comes out and he says, no, this is not a financial crisis. But I don't know how you can make that statement because if you look at the cost just so far, and you, you have to include all the economic costs. So you have to say imports, exports, you know, literally all GDP costs out of China, for example, or Italy, and and so you, I mean, travelling costs um, lower tax receipts and so forth, and mm. and I mean, it, it goes all the way down to that dentist in the rural town. Um, if you add all that up, this is enormous, and I mean, that this is it, it's not a time where the globe can most probably afford this um, due to where we, where we were before a truck. So we already were very indebted. And um, i see in the States, um, for example, they now want to get uh, tax roll relief or salary tax um, relief, but who's going to pay for this? And I mean, where's the money going to come from? So uh, I don't know at a point you get to, I suppose we're not there yet. We're definitely not there yet, but you'll we'll get to a point where the, the belief in, in, in to dwindle, and, and that's when you'll have a spike in, in government debt. That definitely not happening currently. I mean, we've seen what the rates. Yields is done, and that's probably the, the only place you could have been where you would have made money. And that, that's, um, from South African point of view, even more so, global bond funds has done phenomenally well. Um, so, I, I think there's a message in that. There's always an opportunity in the market, so one should never forget that. And we'll get through some of the numbers later on. But, I mean, there was a couple of, well, not a couple, quite a few companies reported this week. And I've got to tell you, I mean, not all of them are making um, uh, losses, so they
0: No, but it's only, process. but these are d- December year-end companies. I mean... Mm. Yeah, we, yeah, uh, that, 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 that is true. One needs to take We that need into to take situation. this into account because the, the real impact mm. of the coronavirus and its knock-on effects, financial and economic and fiscal and monetary, have only started to be felt during the month of, of, of February. We're now March the 13th, Friday the 13th, mm. mm-hmm. halfway through that. My contention this whole week has been the following. Yes, uh, people... People are saying, "Well, now we're down 25, 26 percent um, across the U.S. indices, uh, so we're in a bear market." But that's enough now. Now we'll start to recover. We will mm-hmm. recover because of the natural ebb and flow of markets. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and this is where I want blocking. your opinion. There will be trading updates. Voluntary trading updates from companies on the JSE Securities Exchange. There will be profit Mm. warnings from companies overseas on the FTSE and on the New York Stock Exchange. And there will be disastrously bad economic data points from every Mm. country, whether it be GDP, Mm. PMI, whether it be China, the United States, uh, Great Britain, Eurozone, uh, Germany, whatever. That will be the next wave which takes us into recession Mm. stroke depression.
1: Yeah, look, I'll, I'll give you two numbers which came out of Japan. Japan uh, machine tool orders down 35 percent and 30 percent um, two months, off, you know, after each other. So the latest number I think is fifty and the previous number was 35, or the other way around. That doesn't really make a difference. No, but I mean those types of numbers are going to come out more more often. Um, we've seen, the, I think, it was 79 percent drop in motor vehicle sales in China. And that's where I'm getting back to the point: is the economic cost of this is is enormous. And if you do have time and you're listening to this, and do yourself, in 2018, the World Health Organization put out a report in terms of the cost, economic costs of, of outbreaks over time and how the cost has just exponentially grown up until 2018. Now, remember, this was, this is long before coronavirus. So they didn't do this with coronavirus in, 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 in their mindset. It was just a report from them saying yes. that, look, if we have an outbreak, It will be chaotic because the economic cost to contain it is just going to be you know out of this world we nothing like with we haven't seen anything like this in terms of the cost they're not talking about fertility rates they're not talking about inflation rates that report solely focuses on cost and that's exactly what we are talking about now so look economic numbers coming out in the, in the next couple of months are going to be atrocious. You can expect that. Uh, the EU, as a, a, the GDP numbers came out of the EU, which was 0.1% and 0.3% already. So, I mean, it's not as though they're starting with 4% economic growth. We're already at, at zero almost, so, and you're going to see a drop in that. So we're in for a recession. If, 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 you, don't, if you don't admit recession, I don't know what numbers you're looking at, but we, we will see a recession Um, And it's got to be a global recession, if you ask me. Um,
0: We'll
1: have two quarters at least of, of, well, I shouldn't say at least, but at least one quarter of negative growth, um, if not two quarters following one another. Um, I mean, if you you look at the UK manufacturing, 0.2% up, that's the latest number. Industrial production, um, that was down. Uh, US CPI is already month on month sitting at 0.2 and 0.1, so there is no inflation. I mean, that that's from that's probably in the next topic we can we can speak about is uh, whether we'll see the inflation. I um, mean, you know, given these numbers, and and given the the economic backdrop. It's hard to see where inflation is going to come from um, because uh, everything is pointing towards deflation instead of inflation. Um, so yeah, look, it's it, it, it I, I would look, it's it's a different time. It's it's obviously I think there was a, I read something in the week where the guy said we're in a different. There's different factors at play, but there is some um, some similarities with, with other parts in history. And again, I would like to point you to 1890, and go and read about 1890, and I know this is a very broad… You
0: know, what happened comparison. in 1890?
1: So I do remember 1890 was the industrial revolution, well, the first, first one, yes. um, transportation and all of that started happening. And we had a severe, they, call it the, they called it the Great Deflation, and bonds were actually negative in that period. Um, you didn't have as much and as complicated bonds as we have today, but the bonds were negative. That didn't stop some of the parts of the economy actually doing very well. So, uh, for example, and we're seeing the same thing now. Um, real estate, so private real estate house prices skyrocketed because people were giving away mortgages. So uh, debt was just so, so cheap that um, everybody wanted to 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 get a mortgage and buy a house. And that obviously pushed up house prices. So there was inflation but inflation in different parts of the economy. It's exactly the same we've seen up until now. I mean, we've had all this quantitative easing and liquidity and easy money, yet we haven't seen inflation. But that's because that inflation was in asset prices. So it, it's it's not to say it's all done. You know, you'll still see, still see assets, some assets doing very well, um, but we could be in for a for a, for a period of deflation. I mean, we, we should never remember that's not something me and you, uh, you may no definitely not you as well. No, I don't think anybody alive actually has has, has seen. A long period of deflation. We've seen little blips of it, and mm-hmm. but so we really don't understand what deflation is. Um, so if, if we see that, that's a, that, that's a game changer. You know, it's it's something completely different to what we used to. We used to, um, if you compile a portfolio for a client as a, as a financial advisor, you do a plan. What do you? What's the first thing you do? You put an inflation estimate in, because that's the only way you can get to some sort of a requirement for returns over a five-year period you have to put in, in
0: place. Well, we're different in South Africa because you, we can have as much, def, uh, as much um, uh, reduced demand as you can shake a stick at. But on the other hand, because of the RAND, mm-hmm. uh, then inflation mm-hmm. will always be a part of our lives, whether it be 3.5% or 5.5%. It's still substantially mm-hmm. higher than developed world countries.
1: Yep. Yeah. So look, at the the, the break even market in South Africa is now actually pricing in 1.94%. Um, I think it was yesterday. I Haven't checked today. Um, I can check whilst we're chatting. Um That's but quite yeah, so, low. so so so, 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 so break even inflation even in South Africa is, is is low. I mean, so you know, don't do you know, I always want to say. Don't be surprised if we do have a little bit of deflation or negative inflation in South Africa for a short period of time. But it all depends how bad this really gets because the oil price doesn't seem as though that's picking up. So you're not going to have an inflationary pressure from that. Uh, coronavirus, although China seems it's uh, you know, plateaued out, but the other positive was only started. And if you look at fertility rates, uh, Italy is by far worse than China and there's demographic reasons for that. Yes. Um, but, you know, so... The thing with the, with the coronavirus is it's too complex to just look at one country or one set of data. You would have to look at demographics. You would have to look at the infrastructure in terms of medical care. Now, all that type of stuff for separate countries. And then you can maybe get to an analysis where you can say, okay, this should be the fatality uh, rate um, of, of, of the virus. But I think we've gone beyond complex. the
0: f- fatality rate analyses, actually. I think what we've got mm. now is, is is panic. And it's... It, Certain countries are following the Italy lead. Belgium this morning. Uh, Norway has done the same thing. Norway mm. is now uh, barring international travel into into its country uh, across its borders, uh, unless it's absolutely essential. Uh, Germany, as I've said earlier on, uh, is rumoured to be next. And, and then we're in trouble. Spain will probably be next. I think they've got 1,500 cases, so it's not that serious. But um, I, I think they'll be next as well. France has closed down schools and colleges and mm. banned gatherings. They may go the whole hog. So the, the top economies in the Eurozone will do it. The United States of America won't do it, of course, because Mr. Trump is a denialist. Um, but he may have some advisers that put pressure on him, and the electorate may put pressure on him as well. I want to look back at the week, and this um not t- too much about the coronavirus because uh, we, we understand uh, what it means. We just uh, don't know how it's going to unfold yet, although every hour we get an inkling of how it's going to unfold. I want to talk mm-hmm. about the two stories that... Uh, the three stories in South Africa that have really caught my eye. Okay, the banks, banks reporting, and also the statement from the CEO of First Rand, which I thought was so refreshingly honest and actually rather sobering yeah sobering. Yeah, that's the first yeah, thing uh, the I second thing is is, is Sassel which I think is one of the more dramatic stories I've ever seen from a JSE listed company of its stature and its size mm. and the third thing is what's happening mm. with platinum group metals with the force majeure from Anglo-American platinum combined with the coronavirus and the market demise so those three but the banks very very interesting indeed because this is obviously retrospective to the end of last year I would have thought that the banks in their next reporting season, which is uh, coming up, well, for the end of June, maybe a completely different story. But uh, the CEO, of First Strand, what did you think of what he said?
1: Well, look, I think it was a very <laughs> uh, honest um, opinion of what's happening in South Africa, and uh, I mean it, it, the economy is, is in dire states, uh, you know, and the consumer is really struggling, and and uh, the, the Reserve Bank for for their reasons, and I think proven rightly over the shorter period, although. You, know, you can have this discussion over and over again, but but clearly you know keeping keeping rates high isn't really helping if if you 're in a small open economy because uh, the the just sells off regardless of what rates are but yeah i mean one, one can say that one one could, the counter argument to that statement is that it it would have been much worse it did mean that they had to have to at the high real yields to start off with mm. but uh, let, let, let's just take a step back with regards to banks. So if you look at the Finney, which is the biggest, what's the biggest 10 um, financial companies, so those include the large banks and some of the insurers, so, and you just take the earnings yield on those, now this is the historic earnings yield and this is the discussion we're getting to, um, but on a historic earnings yield and you just subtract the cash yield from that, we are now back to levels we've seen in 2008-2009. can definitely get worse, um, definitely get worse, so we're not, we're not, I wouldn't say we're at the worst point we've seen. Well, we're not at the worst point we've seen, but we're very close to that. Now, um, if, if you look at twelve-month uh, returns subsequent to similar points in terms of data now or valuation points, um, it, it actually it, it tells a very good story. But now, you know, so so this is now based on from 1995 up until now. So you include all those difficult time periods, 2000 when Iran sold off, 2008, 2009 when this financial crisis was on the go. And then you've got, obviously, Zuma and his antics um, and the, what's it, three, four finance ministers. So all of that is in this graph. Um, So, you know, but but, but what's not in the graph, obviously, is coronavirus and the world price debacle. So, you know, I think we're getting to a point where we're, Banks are definitely pricing it a lot, a lot of, 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 of you know, bad. Um, so, but are we at a turning point yet? I don't think so. If you look at the markets, um, just the momentum in the market is still very, very bearish. Um, so, if you look at the volume, for example, volume is up when the market sells down. Mm. Um, that, so, so, that tells you that the market's not really uh, buying this value thing yet. Um, but, you know, those are the types of things I would look at. So we know as a starting point that banks are definitely cheap. Um, but in comparison to history, banks are cheap. Um, but what you're going to need is, is you're going to need a bit of a momentum shift, so a bit of sentiment shift, rather put it that way. And we're not seeing that yet. So that, that's the thing I, I would look out for, is, is you know, shifting that momentum. Uh, unless you get that it's pointless to argue the, the fundamental case. The fundamental case is, is easy to argue because it's it's a, it's a no-brainer. But what you need to to look at this, is the sentiment shift. And I don't think we're going to get past the sentiment shift after we've seen March the credit, Moody's credit review. I think the whole market is just waiting for that. And we've just before that, now we've got all of this coronavirus and the oil price and SASL, which we'll get to now, you know, so yes. so it's just a, it, it, it's it's we're in the spirit where it's almost like the perfect storm. It's not almost; it is the perfect storm for for banks. And yet, if you look at the ram- numbers, and and we spoke about this, and I've also listened to to the CEO's commentary, and, and I, I think he's quite right. But hey,
0: let, let's just remind ourselves what he said. In- he he said in his commentary, and he was brutal. He said, more or less, intimated in I think the conference call or the investor briefing afterwards. He said it's going to take five years for South Africa to recover, mm. and also. So in his commentary that had, uh, accompanied his results, he said that the speed of deterioration of the South African economy, I can't remember the exact phraseology, but he talked about not just the challenging times, which most people say it's been a challenging time. He was far more creative. He said the speed mm. of deterioration of GDP and economic growth is uh, it implied it was disturbing. And that to me was um, exactly what everyone should be saying. And then maybe people would wake up and do something about it.
1: Well I think that, that that's what what everybody when I mean, you prompt Tito Muweni right through, I think you're going to see a lot more of this. I think the corporate the private sector is trying to to tell the government look we need to act now um and and we can't only just talk we now need action because otherwise this thing is going to the wall and that's what Tito Titomuweni said, so I think they're taking sort of advice from from what he said in the budget and he made it a uh, very realistic and also brutal, uh, you know, summary of what's happening locally. And we've now had it from first round. But I would, would like to point that, look, they're still making profits. So it's not losses. Yes, it's, it's you know, the growth in profits is, is my need. Um But they're still making profits. Uh, what I would watch on the banks is is the non-performing loans. Now, those has, has actually gone up quite dramatically in, in the case of First Rand, EPSA and, and Standard Bank and you can't really include Capitech because Capitech is just a different animal by, altogether. Mm. Um, um, and, and those non-performing loans we know are under review <laughs> at Capitech. I've, so Capitec. yeah. <laughs> I've heard some nasty things about Capitech.
0: Have you heard? I've heard some nasty things about Capitech, mainly through social media, which is obviously not always reliable, but I retweeted mm, uh, a, a chap's quotes. He, he's got a few followers and he seems to know what he's talking about. But, Capita is is slightly disturbing to me. What do you think of it as we're on the banks?
1: Yeah, it's a difficult one. Look, if we, we had a sort of a friendly pot in the office, and um, the, I think I've told you about this, uh, it's not it's, it's our money. It's not a big part of our of our, our wealth. Uh, I think we've put in about two thousand or one thousand rand into one of these uh, GT twenty four seven geared. You know accounts oh yes now that th- those things are obviously they are brutal, so <laughs> and, oh well actually that's an interesting point there was a There was a comment from from the guys that did it through, or an email that came through that they I think they increased margin requirements by mm. hundred uh, percent during this week because of the volatility, um, which shows you how quickly your margin account can escalate, you know. Uh, but in any case, that's, that's just as an aside. So yeah, we, we had a short on, on Capitech for quite a while. And then, uh, at one point we just cut it and it just closed it down. Um, at, well, we didn't make any, any profit. We just lost all our money, to be honest. Yes. So, well,
0: Capitec, well, actually, you yeah, don't need it's to it's say you didn't make any profit. You just need to say you lost because <laughs> the two exactly. go hand yeah. in
1: hand. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the problem with Capitec. You know, you can say what you want, but it, it, it seems as though, uh, yeah somehow they just manage to 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 um know, deliver the, the, to deliver the the numbers and yeah. I know quite a few people that actually work at capitech and i mean they it's they're all very much into Capitec. and um you know it 's very hard to convince them otherwise so so i don 't know maybe we know maybe they know something we don 't know i don't know but you know even Capitec's price is down substantially um in in this last sell-off, but not nearly as much as some of the other banks, and and yet its trading still at a very demanding multiple. Um, so you know that if if then if there's numbers coming out that will be disappointing, you would see a knock on that share. And I, you know that that's the type of share I would stay away from for now. Um, the growth shares I would be very careful of. Like the same goes for a clicks. Now clicks very well could do. They could do very well out of this whole coronavirus um, problem, them and this game, um, but just the multiple you're playing for it is, is, is astounding, and uh, you know it's, a, it's asking quite a lot of of the growth component to make up for the multiple you're, you're paying, and in this uncertain times, I would rather than. In the case of Capitec versus the other banks, I would much rather then buy a first trend, which is the biggest player in South Africa. It's still producing profits. The guy, the CEO himself is, is very honest in terms of, of, of the challenges they face. So it's not as though he's trying to prop up numbers. Um, he's giving you the full facts. I would much rather put my money in towards that. And I mean, it's trading at a 6% dividend yield, um, which is 6 7% uh, dividend yield. Which is very close to what you can be earning in cash. Um, so the, the actual question you need to ask yourself is, 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 South Africa going down completely? Um, because then you should be in cash. If you think we're not going down completely and I'm in that camp, then, um, I, I cool, think it are. might be time to start nibbling in on banks, you know, and, uh, but, but it's gonna, it, 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 it definitely needs a momentum shift before we'll see any recovery. And I think we've had this discussion. It's not going to be a month. It's probably not going to be a week. It's going to be a longer period because you need that, a real shift in momentum
0: it's for, going to for the market. It's, it's or, going to be many, many months on. Let's yeah. go on to so, our so, next. So, so, yeah, go on. Wrap this up, if you will. Cecil, we'll,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go into Cecil from this now. Yes, but, we will. Uh, it's, 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 worth worth remembering that South Africa. We've been. We started this whole, uh, you know, this whole chaotic situation being, you know, fairly priced to cheap depends on the stock you look at um, as opposed to the US. The US, I mean, that, that we've, we've said it in previous shows, over and over again, nobody wanted to listen that the US market is very expensive and now we're seeing the the, the fallout from that. So South Africa started from a very different footing. So you, have, that's the first point. Second point is inflation is probably going to go lower and I check now the break-evens, that short-term break-evens is now 213 um, and, and then we've got lots of scope to cut rates. The, the rest of the world doesn't have that. So, you know, those those three things combined, if they were to come to the fore um, in a combination, it could play out quite well for banks, you know, for local banks. So, yeah, I want to just be careful that you don't get too caught up in this, and I understand where you're coming from. But then if you go into Sassel, obviously that hasn't
0: helped the same Okay, let's start the Sassel story. I understand what you're saying about the banks. And yes, it's, they're not going to have a V-shaped recovery, but uh, it may be mm. worth accumulating if you're a long-term investor, which we all should be, of course. I want to look at Cecil, now. I want you to sit down and have a look at these numbers, or rather have a listen to these numbers, please, Arnud Smit.
1: Uh, I uh, think I should lie down. No,
0: no, I think I should just lie down. I don't know what you – I don't know what, what time it is. <laughs> it's 11.35. You're probably cracking your first castle light or something now. So anyway, here we go. Ten years ago – the weekly high on Sassel was 645 rand and 10 cents on massive volume of 4.6 billion shares, okay? Five years ago, the high was 568... uh, Sorry, two years ago, the high was 578 rand and 68 cents on volume of around about um, 990 million. So that was two years ago. One year ago, the high was 487.49, Okay. Now, these are pretty big prices. One year – sorry, one month ago, the high was – two months ago, the high was 310 rand. That's just two months ago. That was the beginning of the year, two months ago. The low yesterday – Was 30 Rand and change this morning. It went to 50 Rand. So in two days, it goes up 66%. It's currently trading at I don't know, but it's only at 8% rather than 30% to 35% this morning. This is extraordinary from
1: 645 to 30. Yeah, look, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like an Aspen all over again. It's even worse than
0: that. Much it's, worse. It's,
1: it's, you know, and the thing is, Sasol is a big company, definitely, um, but it's a very big company in sort of African investors' mindset. And, uh, it, 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 you know, we one of the younger analysts in in the office who's uh, got his own share portfolio, and I won't mention his name. Why not? He bought at, at, at <laughs> above 300, you know, and then I said, oh, you should' mad. I wouldn't touch that thing. Um, I'll, I'll buy it back from you at 80 and he laughed at me and, and I mean at 80 I said to him you can keep your sales now <laughs> because, because we're probably going lower. <laughs> so,
0: you sound yeah. like a really good boss <laughs> yeah
1: I see <laughs> well I gave me advice I didn't want to take it <laughs> yeah look at it's a yeah, Cecil. Is a, the the biggest problem is is the gearing, um, and and you know it, it's 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 the point. If, if there's one thing that that people listening today take to heart is, you know, people companies with lots of gearing have difficulties in markets where there's no growth. It's just, it, I mean, I probably don't even have to say that. That that's so. Uh, that that, that I mean, probably you can ask a kid he who's he doing economics or investments at school and he'll tell you if a company has high gearing or lots of debt then there's no growth then how the hell is it going to make profits it's, it's impossible it needs growth to create um, to, to, to sustain that, that debt level. We've seen it with Aspen We've seen it of lots of examples. The 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 property companies, exactly the same thing. Um and to a certain extent we had a a mistake in, in local properties which we sold out. Um so I'm so I'm not saying we're not guilty. We made that same mistake. And you know, um one needs to be very careful in, in an environment where there's low growth and you're sitting with high gearing. And especially um if, if it's if it's in a, in an environment like South Africa, we've had fairly high real yields as well so your debt is not not cheap so you actually need to deliver quite a bit of growth to to make up for that interest um, portion you're paying and that's exactly what's happened with SASL as well and then added to this they've, they've had those delays and and overspending in and on the new project and then you've got this whole oil debacle so they just you know you know again a perfect perfect storm um look to to be honest i don't know how they're going to get out of this um i'm not saying they're going under but I do think the likelihood of, of a rights issue is, is, I think, they would have to, unless the oil price shoots up. I can't see them getting out of this debt, trapped, if you want to call it, anywhere else, um, uh, which is different to my to my colleague who's bought at 300. So he's got a different opinion than what I have. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think it's going to take a long time for Cecil to get out of this. Um, that, that, you know, that We've seen it with Aspen. And, and what happens with this type of company is, like Aspen, once it's happened, the market just loses all faith in the company, and Aspen is trying its best, and it's actually doing some very good things within the company, but the market just isn't paying attention because of what has happened in the past. Do
0: you remember what so, happened yeah. in 2000 when the Nasdaq fell from 5,000 down to 1,500 or whatever the figures were? But anyway, the, the the market fell dramatically, and it took so it, it took like a couple of months for Mm. the Nasdaq to fall from 5,000 down to its its level, where it eventually bottomed. And then it took years and years and years to get back. Mm. Your friend, your colleague, who bought at 300, is going to have grandchildren by the time that Sassel gets back to 300. Trust me on that one.
1: (laughs) I'll give him the basics. I think I might have even it to him. But in any case, now look. But but look. On, on to, to end this show, or to end my part of your show. Yes. Um, well, we've got we've got PGMs to, to do because
0: we've got five minutes to do PGMs which I want to do. But carry on. Wrap okay. up, Sassel so, so, if you so, would.
1: So so, so, so so yeah. I mean that's my take on Cecil. I think it's going to take longer. Okay. And I mean I, I don't see why the world price should, should suit up anytime soon. No reason. Uh, there's there's capacity in the globe and there's there's no demand. So look, Cecil's story. I think if if you've got tessels you need to make a call whether you want to call, whether it's it's going to you know if you want to keep your tessels you in for a very very long time or you can cut your losses and buy something else, which is giving uh, giving you much better returns. Hopefully, over the next
0: five years, we've got to like find. We've something. got to find. Yeah, we've got to find one of those companies. Uh, what about the PGM groups? Because Impala Platinum, let me just put that one up because that's the one I'm quite mm. um, I'm quite mm-hmm. intrigued with. I like RB uh, RB Platts mm. as well, but um, Impala Platinum went, I think, to what was it, hundred and seventy, maybe two months ago. Mm. Mm. I think that's where it went, and it's yeah, uh, yesterday levels. went below went below 100 that's a, yeah. and another here it is now as well 98.76 yeah. as we speak
1: yeah look, look, look at that, that whole sector so the pgms the biggest problem is obviously vehicle sales and exports and you know trade um, that that's the biggest issue driving those prices um, if you look at production is actually up um, so mining production is actually at growth um, but that's obviously, that's again, that's historic. So the, the market doesn't look back, uh, it tries to price in the future. And that's what's happened with PGMs. So, I mean, I've mentioned the number, 79% drop in vehicle sales in China alone. Now, what do you think is going to happen in Europe once they've got quarantine in, on all of those parts? Like you said, Germany was already speaking about it. What's going to happen with manufacturing? So, you know, I, I think it's just a case of, of everybody expecting a grind. In trade, the grind in vehicle manufacturing, and therefore the price just collapsing uh, the, the the platinum palladium price that is so I think that that 's what the market 's pricing in um, it 's not as though those shares were overly expensive they were not cheap but they weren't overly expensive probably fairly priced for a, for a commodity within the cycle but it seems as though the cycle is, is is turning dramatically and and it's turning quite quickly and that's what the market's preempting so it's it's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with the companies it's just remember all these recycle, resource companies like Sasol, the BGM's you can name them Exaro exactly the same thing they are dependent on the product they sell so if that price goes down then obviously the share price needs to go down because you're not going to make profits. There's a certain point at that line where the price is down. There's a certain point where you become unprofitable. And uh, I think that's what the market's looking at. They're saying, well, okay, if if this thing really collapses, you're not going to make profits. You're probably going to make losses. And we need to be out of, of, of those types of cyclicals. Um, yeah, so I think in short, that's the summary of what's
0: happening in the. Okay, and that's the end of um, the, the the weekly wrap. Uh, the three big stories plus the coronavirus, which is a story on its own. Uh, your advice to investors, please, whether it be investors in you, Sky Blue or whether it be uh, the yeah, investment in general, community. You know? What do you what do you uh, say to people
1: these days? Well, look, in general, I think it's 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 all it's all in. T- you know, you need to look at your time frame. So, if if you're invested for ten years or five years or three years or one year. Your your, your, you know, your your action plan is going to be very, very different. Um, so if it's one year, stay in cash. You're getting the real the yields that you've got in cash. If you're invested for three years and longer, then, you know, you need to have a, a diversified portfolio. So a, a global, like I've said, if you just had a diversified portfolio with some global bond exposure, that part of the portfolio actually would have been, done well. Um, so there's always opportunity. The local market, I think the big thing in the local markets is, is to watch sentiment and, and momentum. You know, we, we know this stuff is cheap. Uh, you can find lots of cheap uh, shares, but they might be cheap for a reason. And once we know that, um, then we'll we'll see a shift in sentiment. But as it is, as stands now, it's not today. You know, that sentiment's not is not turning today, and it's probably not going to be tomorrow. Well, it can't be tomorrow. Tomorrow is Saturday, but it's probably not going to be next week. Uh, it's going to take a while longer for, for sentiment to to feed or you know to return, and and people to start believing in, in, in and companies and stuff like Sassel or a company like Sasol doesn't really help. So, yeah, we're probably in for for a longer time period. So. If, you want, if, if you've got a long time period in terms of investments, you can start nibbling, I think, with some of the cheaper shares, like the banks, for example, or like the retailers even, but you need to know you're in it for the long term. You're not going to make money within the next couple of months. I mean, then you should be in cash. Um, but I mean, having said that, and we're not getting sidetracked again, but having <laughs> said that, there's, there's quite a few companies out um, that doesn't look that bad. So the banks was, was, was fine, the, the results, but if you, if you disagree, not disregard, if you, if you agree over what the CEO said of, of first round, it's obviously tough times, but I mean, they're still trading profits. And then we had ASO, which is bound to delist, it seems, and this price spr- uh, sprang up by 80%. Uh, Rhodes has just signed a deal with Walmart. Um, that price, I think, went up 14% or 10% um, on, on that announcement. So there's, there's, there's opportunity in, in the market. Um, But you need to be very specific if you want to play that type of game. But when it comes to asset allocation, for now, I would have a very diversified portfolio, have some offshore exposure, have some equity exposure. In case you're wrong in terms of the sentiment shift, and it might be a V, but don't overextend yourself towards the V because the V recovery is highly unlikely, I think. And then, you know, when you see that sentiment driving or or shifting and you see momentum picking up, that's the time you want to start. They're really, you know, going aggressive, but we're not there yet.
0: We're not there yet, but we are at the end Mm -hmm. of this uh, fascinating and lengthy chat about what's happened in (laughs) the last week and also giving us some insight as to what might happen in the future. Uh, But I I think the overriding sentiment is just be a little bit careful, a little bit cautious. Uh, The market may be may be different to in previous crashes. In other words, information uh, comes quicker, but uh, don't think that the recovery is going to come quicker. Arne Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers, thank you very much. That was the weekly wrap. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position